0: Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe Podcast. Boy, do we have a special couple of episodes for you this week. If you are a fantasy fan, then the name R.A. Salvatore is no stranger to you. If you're not necessarily a fantasy fan, then you still don't want to miss this series of shows as we talk with a master of his genre and talk about everything from meeting readers' expectations and sometimes subverting it, how his iconic character Dritz Duerden has grown through the years. And in part two, we pick Bob's brain about his favorite topic, world building. Stay tuned for part one and you don't want to miss tomorrow's episode when we go deep on world building. Thanks for listening. And we are live. Thank you for joining us in the StoryCraft Cafe. Uh, I'm your host, Hank Garner, and today I have, you know, it's always uh, such an honor and a pleasure to get to uh, talk with Bob Salvatore, one of my favorite writers of all time. And uh, you know, we've gotten to do this uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years, and it's always fun and something new. Uh, Bob, welcome to the show, first off. Hey, it's great to be back, Hank. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Bob two new books this summer that that's that's crazy even for you well <laughs> back it up
1: okay yeah. <laughs> the of dritz is really dritz journal so most of that's been written over the last 35 years right i didn't have to do much for that except help dig them all up and put them all together and you know it wasn't like i wrote a new book um, these are the essays from homeland through the book that's coming next year okay i think it's next year um it just seemed like people have been asking for this for a long, long time. It just seemed like the right time to do it.
0: Well, Drizzt is, is one of those characters, and and you know he's been talked about, uh, you know, endlessly about the the dichotomy that he is as a character. He's a drow, um, someone that that most people just assume to be one way, and and he does everything he can to go against. Um, his nature or his perceived nature, you know, how, nurture, how, his it, nurture, right? So, well, you, this is like been a 35 year um, exploration of nature versus nurture. Hasn't it And individual agency
1: reasoning beings have a choice period. And, 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 you know, in my books, and this is the funny, the funniest thing about the books is that you're told by the narrators in the books on the surface that the drow are evil right and since they're humans they're people that re- you can relate to you just go with that but the truth of it is if you read my books from the very beginning dritz wasn't the only drow who was not evil right that's the and Jarl Axel. these are people just trying to survive in a ruthless society that's an autocracy ruled by a demon, an eternal demon queen. They can't leave. Dritz isn't unique in that he went against them. Dritz is, he's not even unique that he left. He's unique that he left and survived the Underdark and came up and found friends. And he's not even really unique in that. He's just the most well-known. There is, as I went back and did generations, we made it quite clear that even back before Dritz was born, Dabney, the priestess of Loth, hates Loth. Didn't understand why she was still getting her spells. Zac hates Loth. Jarl Axel hates Loth. Everyone in Breaking Earth hates Loth. Half the priestesses hate Loth. But (laughs) look at it this way. If you have a dictatorship that is completely isolated, the only news you get, the only thing you know about the other societies is what the dictator and her minions tell you. And they... You will do what you need to do to survive. And in my books, from the very beginning, the barbarians of ten towns attacked ten towns, attacked the dwarves. They would have killed everyone there if they if they won. Right. Is that not evil? The magistrates in Luskin were torturing people for the pleasure of the watching crowd. Is that not evil? So... There is is good and evil. Those are real concepts, and there are lines. But the perception of good and evil is very often decided by which ones are on my side and which ones are on the enemy's side. So Americans can go and cheer Red Dawn, but then condemn people that fight back when we're in their country. (laughs) and the dritz books are about agencies oh no. you know i'm gonna get rid of mcafee it just keeps popping up on my screen <laughs> i didn't even install it i thought it was i didn't think it was a virus i thought it was an antivirus anyway <laughs> uh, the Dritz books are about individual agency they're about doing the right thing period not 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 what tradition tells you you're supposed to do and not what loath tells you you're supposed to do but just doing the right thing yeah
0: you know, I, I didn't know that we were going to get into this conversation so quickly, but let's let's just jump right in. You know, the your your latest trilogy um, has had some readers up in arms uh, about, you know, some some things that you're trying to expose, uh, some things that you're trying to bring to the forefront of, of people's understanding and. and and you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, but what you're saying and and looking back over your body of work, you've been saying it all along. People just didn't want to see what you have been saying all along.
1: Well, look, there's a whole bunch of people in this country, probably in other countries as well. that drive to work and put on radio stations whose hosts are there to Get you mad. That's what right. their job is.
0: Well, it's what anger social media is, is all about.
1: Anger is addictive. Right. It lights up the same part of your brain as porn. It's addictive. You know, if you're if you're listening to your local sports radio, the, one of the hosts will say something about like up here about the Patriots. That is the dumbest thing you ever heard in your life. <laughs> and you wonder how did this guy get to be a broadcaster or a Or a sports journalist, if if he's that stupid about the game. He's not. He wants you to know, wait a minute, I have to correct him. Let me call. And now the light goes on. And now the revenues come in from the advertisers. It's a business, it's a scam. And that's what cable news is. And I'm not pointing, I'm not pointing my finger in either direction here, okay? I'm just thinking that's pretty good at it. Cable news is there to get you angry. Yeah. It's there to make you outraged about things that don't even affect your life because it's there to get you to watch cable news. It's profit, it's for profit. And so you talk about the latest book. I thought the latest book, well, not the latest, not Glacier's Edge, but Starlight Enclave. Yeah. Starlight Enclave was planned. 20 years ago, not the particulars, but 20 years ago, I knew that Dritz had to find a society of drow elves that were not Lothian elves so that he could forever get rid of the idea that it's my nature. Right. I knew that 20 years ago. The books have been about that from the very beginning. (laughs) From the very beginning. But what happened was, I mean, let's be real. How many people came to Glacier's Edge, when I wrote that, I mean, Styling Enclave, when I wrote that book, I wanted the people to be as shocked as Jarlaxle, catti Brie, and Trieri, and Zaknafane were when they saw the, the bows pointed at them in the glacier. What are you doing up here? The only one they had a clue that that could be going on up there was Jarlaxle, right? Right. I wanted the reader to be shocked, but let's be real. Three months before the book came out, the website came out, all the marketing came out, the announcements came out that were changing the draw. And I was, wait till after the book's out. Let people read the book organically. Right. But you know, other they have different needs than I had. So I'm not mad or anything about it. But it's amazing to me that when you go and look at the and I I, I try I don't look at many reviews at all, but I was curious with Starlight Enclave. It's political yeah the 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 one-star reviews they're political reviews it's ridiculous It, it is but i understand it because you have people who feel like the world that they were told as is isn't right the game books have called drought evil monsters they were the monster man you know they're they're not so i understand the discomfort level but organically is how you correct that, in my opinion. It's always been my opinion that that's how you do it. You don't, you don't tell people you're wrong. You don't. You just show them a logical project, project, um, procession of events, a logical path to continue the message that you began in the very first book you wrote.
0: Well, and haven't we always believed? that the best way to get your point across most of the time is through couching it in story, uh, you know, by, you know, when, when you tell someone a story, that's a much more powerful device than just hitting someone over the head with it. And uh, I, I thought we all understood that.
1: Um, yeah. But you know, again, <laughs> you, you add cable news talk radio to Twitter, Facebook, And you're
0: screwed.
1: (laughs) It's like my my son said of Facebook, he goes, Facebook provides you a service so that they can make money off you while making your life noticeably worse. (laughs) And I don't know if that's true for everybody using Facebook, because I know a lot of people who use Facebook and it's just to share family photos and things. But generally speaking, you will see people, you know, everyone in this country has a fight fix, right? They have this, you've got to get in a fight you got to get in the fight and it's insane. It's an insane way to live your life. It's an insane way to live your life to be angry about things that don't even affect you. Yeah, but that's what that's what we're being driven to for profit. And yeah. that's my that's my, you know, I studied communication. I saw what was going on 22 years ago and I told my wife exactly where this was going. And now you see it in full bloom. I mean, you know, I just drove across the country out to California and back. And we had took the southern because it was winter. So you know, here's this Massachusetts left of center. I'm not, you know, I'm not I just want everything to work well for everybody. Right, right. But left of center, sure. And if you go by the internet or listen to Fox News or listen to MSNBC. You were the sworn that I was going into hostile territory with a Massachusetts license plate when I'm going through rural Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Texas. Right? The people were freaking awesome all the way. They were awesome about the masks. Some were wearing them, some weren't. There was no arguments. There was no people that noticed the license plate on my car were like. Oh, wow, you're a long way from home. Yeah, where are you going? I'm heading out to California for the winter. Oh, wow, that's a heck of a drive. Yeah, I'm having a blast, right? The, the people were awesome. The people in Tennessee were wonderful. The people in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana were wonderful. People, Texas has the most polite drivers in the world. They really are. <laughs> helpful. The Internet's not real. Right. Cable news isn't real.
0: It's it's hilarious um we...
1: and by the way I mean I I spent my nephew came back he went around the country with his family he came back and he's 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 very Christian he's right-wing much more conservative than I am we had a discussion for like four hours last night after our softball game <laughs> I love this kid he teaches me things I teach him things we are nothing but respectful nothing but respectful We argue policy, but we don't argue. We try to teach each other. Right. That's how I am with Tracy Hickman. We're the same way. We're best friends. He's my brother.
0: Don't get mad about things that aren't hurting you. Dude, right. (laughs) Exactly. And the, the only reason we get to to have, you know, dust ups about this stuff is because we have a character with the longevity. That Drizzt has. Uh, did you ever imagine 35 years ago? And it, you've told me the story before about how, you know, you just created him. I, I think you said you were in the car, maybe? No, I was at work. I was at you work. Were at work and, and you just said to, you know, to whoever on the phone, oh, his name is Drizzt and, you know, and da-da-da-da-da. He's Drizzt
1: the Warden of Damond of Schez Bernan, the 9,000 men's of Aranzane. Right. Said, What's that? I said, I don't know i don't know she <laughs> said how do you spell this?" i, said, I don't know <laughs> yeah it was the top not. of my head yeah no, I, I thought that chris i got i got hired i got hired to do a book right. not three books not 38 books about the character 39 i'm writing now i hired to write a book but i liked it and so at the end of the book i put a couple of hooks in they gave me another book and the books were doing yeah. really well so they gave me another book yeah no i didn't think this was going to go this long at all
0: did this idea of nature versus nurture, like how soon in your creating the character and and building these stories around him, how soon did that hook come to you?
1: Oh, that's the whole point of it. The whole point of it. Um, you know, the, the racism is stupid. Yeah. It's self-defeating It's limiting of civilization. It makes no sense uh i mean why don't we just judge people by whether or not they have hair hank (laughs) (laughs) please don't (laughs) um no it it, i believe in individual agency i believe that you are responsible for what you do after the age of 18 you're an adult you are responsible for what you do um and it's not it's not racial you are influenced by culture. You are influenced by your upbringing. You are influenced by all that stuff, but um, you are responsible for what you do. And there is, you know, there is, there is an inner guide in everybody that tells you know when you're doing something wrong. You know when you're cheating. You know when you're hurting someone. You know these things. You don't have to be told. You don't need the. You don't need a a book, a religious book to tell you what's wrong. You know, and that's not a knock on religion because I would never knock anyone on religion. It's, it's that's the, the thing I love the most about this country. You want to believe in something, believe in something. You want to believe in that, believe in that. You want to believe in that, believe in that. Just don't hurt anybody.
0: Right. Our, uh, our friend Doug has a question. How do you keep ideas for the same characters fresh after so long? I feel like so many series these days burn out much more quickly than Drizzt ever will for me. Um, you know, you, you keep going back to the well time after time and do you ever pull your bucket up and it's it it's just not full of water?
1: No, because here's the thing. With those characters that I created in nineteen eighty seven and since, I was twenty-nine years old. I was twenty eight years old when I wrote to Crystal Shire. I'm sixty three now. I'm a very different person. Back then I thought I knew everything and my job as an author was to tell you. Right. And now I'm 63 and I know I don't know anything. And my job is to, is to write something that may be thought-provoking enough for you to go find your own answers. Because we're all just muddling through and trying to find our answers. And that's what I do. So the characters are changing in the same way that I've been changing over the years. In fact, I've I, when I... I don't know like 15 years ago whatever it was wizards decided to take all the dritz stories and do the collected stories of the legend of drifts and it was the the book was i had to write like a one page where i was what i was thinking why i was writing the short story and i don't generally go back and read my work because i'm always pushing forward but i had to read the short stories and i realized when i was reading the short stories it was like looking at a family photo album, Mm -hmm. right because I, I would read the story and I would know exactly where I was when I wrote it, what I was thinking and why I wrote it, even stories that were like 10 years old, 12 years old. And that's when I realized, I think I always knew it, but this is when it became crystal clear to me that writing is just how I make sense of them. So as I'm changing, the questions I'm asking my characters are changing with me. Therefore, the characters have to change with me to keep up with the questions. And so um, no, it's as fresh to me now as it was then. When you when you went back, for the fight scenes you can only describe <laughs> scimitars so many ways. <laughs> right. Although I've, Glacier's Edge has the best battle scene I've put in a book in, maybe ever. The end of that book is 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 one of the most intricately choreographed, di- uh, wild, diverse battle with all kinds of different friends and enemies. It, I had so much fun writing that.
0: And, uh, and speaking of that, like when you're, when you're planning out a fight scene, how do you, uh, how do you work out the details in your mind? How do you choreograph it in your mind to, to bring it to the page?
1: I watch it happen and I write it down. It's, it's <laughs> a joy. It's a joy. And I'll, I'll change. I mean, I'll have like an outline of the fight scene. I know how I want it to end. That's it. Yeah. And then I just let the battle go and weird things happen. Like I just wrote a battle in the book I'm writing and somebody got it. maybe dead. I'm not sure yet. I did not expect that.
0: Axel says, do you ever listen to the audiobook book uh, to see if the voice you hear when Drist, uh, when you hear the voice of Drist, does that match what you're thinking? Or did, does that just uh, kind of make things convoluted? To, to no, I've listened, I love
1: Victor. I love Victor Bavin. I love Tim Garav Reynolds. Does my Demon War books? I love what Graphic Audio did with a lot of my books with the, the movie in your mind. Yeah. And I listen to them occasionally, just parts of them. I won't, you know, I probably don't go through the whole book. I know how it's going to end. Um, but um, no, it, it's that it doesn't change. It doesn't change the what's in my mind for the voice any more than the book covers change what my image of the characters are. I'm thrilled that other people are interpreting what I've done, whether it's an artist painting picture or, or the artists, the audio artists like Victor who are doing the voices. Um, so no, it doesn't, it, 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 it like, is it drizz or drizzt or drizzed? <laughs> I call Fred most of the time. I don't care. Uh, the only one was a CS Lewis said, the only person who can determine the relationship between a reader and a book is the reader of the book. I live by that. I don't care what you want to call them call them drizzle that's what my boss used to call them i don't care just enjoy the damn book
0: right right speaking of uh looking back through the family album uh that is the the body of work that you've created when when you're putting together the dow the of drizzle, um were you did you ever look back and uh and maybe not remember exactly what was there and uh were you ever surprised by, you know, the things that that come out of Driz's mouth?
1: All the time. Uh, I just did e-signings, and, and sometimes people will want a Driz quote in the e-signing, so they write the quote and they would like input it in the book. And I'm like, did I really write that? <laughs> um, I see it on Twitter. Someone will quote, will we'll put a quote up, and I go, hey, I kind of like that. Oh, I wrote that? Really? Hey, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have an old man's brain now. I don't remember anything.
0: Well, but, but there's something, everything's fresh,
1: right? I don't remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But there is something, uh, you know, weird uh, that happens. You know, we, we kind of jokingly say it's the magic of writing that, that sometimes when you get into that flow state of writing, things come out that, that you you read back and go, wow, what, was I responsible for that? That that sounds like something. Or you go, wow, that I really that? write that? Holy
1: crap! <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, there's that it, side it, too. It is, it is. Writing is like, I, I get asked questions. You know, how how big do you outline? I do like two page outline, start writing, and throw it away. I'm a pantsman. i I write by the seat of my pants. I don't know what's going to happen on the next page a lot of times, and that's what makes it fun for me. And when I'm writing. The words just start pouring out as I get into scenes, as I get deeper into the scene and deeper, like in the fight scene or, or the essays, I get deeper into them. The words just start pouring out. And then I'll go back and edit it. But I don't do big edits. It's pretty much what you're seeing is, is 95 plus percent the first draft.
0: Because I like it. And I think it's yeah. honest. Um, Has your process always been that clean? or is Well, when the editors have allowed it,
1: some editors really want to pound you. Early on, I got pounded. I deserved it. it. Made me a better writer. But now, yeah, it's it's when I turn in the manuscript, they know it's going to be a clean manuscript.
0: Yeah, does uh, does there come a point in your author career where you become more confident in your voice? Um, like you know, a, something that that a lot of uh, beginning writers deal with is is holding that manuscript close to you and, and kind of the fear of sharing it with people. And maybe the fear is, you know, being exposed as of a course. fraud or, of you course. know, you know, that when, when does that transition point happen when you become confident in your
1: voice? Confidence the wrong word. Um, look, being a writer, you know, when you're in second grade and you write something and yeah. you pass in and you think you just wrote the best thing that was ever written. And it comes back right. with red marks all over it. That's being a writer every day. <laughs> but what happens is once you've been doing it long enough, you understand the behind the scenes and you realize some of the things, bad things people are saying to you are, are so ridiculous and so agenda driven and have nothing to do with you. You don't take it personally yeah. and you realize that half the things people are giving you tremendous credit for are things they're bringing to the book that you didn't even think of. OK, you are being privileged to allow your voice to go into somebody else's life and their judgments are the only thing that matters to them with the book. I I remember when Kingdoms of Amalur came out, the game that 38 Studios did. Wonderful game. And I know the process that big, huge games had to go through to get that game out on time, under budget, put it in a world they didn't even know when they started. We had to bring them into the world and do all these quest lines. I know how much work they put into this game. From From Grant doing the music to the narrative team to the design team to the technical teams. They worked their butts off, and they produced a game that a lot of people love. And one of the reviews I read, a review came out on the game, and I think it was Kurt And he goes, did you see this? And, and, I, and I look at the review, and I'm like, this is the best review ever. <laughs> the guy trashed the game and did a psychoanalysis on me to talk about why the writing failed here, 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 and here. I didn't write the game. But there was, he, the guy hated me, so he went after the game because he thought I had written the game. I didn't write anything in the game. I edited some of the quest lines. With By editing, I mean I told the writers, maybe I want to try doing this a little bit, but I, very minimal. I wish I had written the game. It's freaking brilliant. Some of the quest <laughs> lines had me in tears. I didn't write that, but this guy went after me and used the game to prove his points about me, a guy I'd never met. And that's when you begin to realize Half the people that you're reading, you think of the expert credits. It's just garbage. I mean, when I started writing in this genre, Kirkus used to attack me. Locus used to attack me. Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman, Ed Greenwood, they hated us. Because we weren't New York publishers. We weren't CIFO. We weren't in their club. They hated us. (laughs) Well, then you get in the club and they love you for doing the same things you were doing when they hated you. It's right. just bullshit. It's why I don't. It's why I don't. I'm not. In, I'm still not in that. I don't get nominated for awards. I, I keep them. You know, I'll get like the. I got the. Um, the San Diego Comic Con uh, gave me a lifetime achievement award. That meant a lot to me. Yeah. Because those kind of awards mean a lot to me. I, I I've won a lot of awards, but not genre awards. Be from the genre groups because of those early experiences i just never joined the groups because i don't care it, it's like I, go back to glacier's edge i mean to style enclave you see reviews yeah. from people who are it's it's purely political reviews well well how did you ever like my books right but don't accuse me of changing i haven't changed have you well if you're driving to work listen to the talk radio and you're coming home and putting on your favorite cable news show all day and you're burying yourself in that stuff. Yeah, you've changed. I'm sorry. Yeah. You've changed. You're seeing the world through a prism You shouldn't be. And it's making you miserable. And I feel bad for you.
0: Yeah. The echo chambers can be strong for sure. And they hurt you. Yeah.
1: Um, so, so it's not that you get confidence that you no know, longer like, give a crap. I don't care. I'm writing the book the way I want to write the book. And if enough people keep wanting me to write the books i get to keep writing books and getting paid for it um i'll be but even when that's over i'll be writing books even if i'm not publishing them because it's how i make sense of the world so i don't care um you know the shots don't bother me and the the overblown reviews in the positive don't keep your feet on the ground just keep doing what you're doing recognize the privilege that you have of doing something that's allowing you to go in and affect other human beings and their lives, hopefully positively. Yeah. If it's not positively, by the way, change the channel. Go read different books. Right. If you're not enjoying what you're reading. Don't read it. If you're not enjoying what you're watching on TV, change the channel. Right. Right. Um, and and so that's the way I look at it now. It's it's just. It's not about whether you like my book or don't like this installment or love this installment or don't like this installment. This is the next installment. It's like when I wrote the book Spine of the World about Wolfgar having gone through the torture and the best now is back. Right. When I finished that book, I sent it to my editor and I said, half the people are gonna love this book, and half the people are gonna hate this book. And there's not gonna be anything in the middle, and there's nothing I can do about it because this book needs to be told for the story of Wolfgar going forward. And sure as heck, the book came out. And a whole bunch loved it and a whole bunch hated it. But it was, I don't care because this is the story I have to tell. You wanna come along, come on. you don't help. Right. So it's not um, confidence, it's an understanding the difference between what you're doing and what you can control.
0: That's our episode for today. As you could probably tell, there's still way more to get into as I pick this fantasy master's brain about his self professed favorite topic world building. See you tomorrow, and thanks for listening.